0: CHAPTER FIFTEEN OF RAVENSTEEN COURT BY J. S. FLETCHER THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN MR. JALLANBY, SHIPBROKER There were reasons, other than the suddenly excited desire to follow this business out to whatever end it might come at, which induced me to consent to the detective's suggestion that I should go to Hull with him as i had said to solomon fish i knew hull well enough in my very youthful days i had spent an annual holiday there with relatives and i had vivid recollections of the place already in those days they had begun to pull hull to pieces laying out fine new streets and open spaces where there had been old-fashioned narrow alleys and not a little in the slum way but then as happily now there was still the old hull of the ancient high street and the market-place and the land of green ginger and the older docks wharves and quays it had been amongst these survivals of antiquity and in the great church of holy trinity with its scarcely less notable sister of saint mary in lowgate that i had loved to wander as a boy there was a peculiar smell of the sea in hull and an atmosphere of seafaring life that i have never met with elsewhere neither in wapping nor in bristol in southampton nor in liverpool one felt in hull that one was already halfway to bergen or stockholm or riga there was something of north europe about you as soon as you crossed the bridge at the top of whitefriar gate and plunged into masts and funnels stacks of fragrant pine and sheds bursting with foreign merchandise and I had a sudden itching and half-sentimental desire to see the old seaport again, and once more catch up its appeal and its charm. "'Yes, I'll certainly go with you, Scarterfield,' I repeated. "'In for a penny, in for a pound, they say. I wonder, though, what we're in for. You think, really, we're on the track of Netherfield Baxter?' "'Haven't a doubt of it,' asserted Scarterfield, as he turned over the pages of the railway guide that man who's just gone was right that was baxter he saw with who knows what of mystery and crime and all sorts of things behind him including the murder of one of the quicks i suggested including some knowledge of it anyway he said it's a clue mr middlebrook and i'm on it as this man was in hull there'll be news of him to be picked up there very likely in plenty very well said i i'm with you now let's be off going southward by way of newcastle and york we got to hull that night late too late to do more than eat our suppers and go to bed at the station hotel and we took things leisurely next morning breakfasting late and strolling through the older part of the town before as noon drew near we approached the goose and crane we had an object in selecting time and place Fish had told us that the man whom he had seen in company with our particular quarry, the supposed Baxter, had come into the queer old inn in his shirt-sleeves and without his hat. He was therefore probably some neighbouring shop or storekeeper, and in the habit of turning into the ancient hostelry for a drink about noon. Such a man, that man, Scarterfield hoped to encounter. Out of him, if he met him, he could hope to get some news although as a boy i had often seen the street front of the goose and crane i had never passed its portals now entering it we found it to be even more curious inside than it was out it was a fine relic of tudor days a rabbit warren of snug rooms old furniture wide chimney places tiled floors if the folk who lived in it and the men who frequented it had only worn the right sorts of costume we might easily have thought ourselves to be back in elizabethan times we easily found the particular room of which solomon fish had spoken there was the door half open with its legend on an upper panel in faded gilt letters for master mariners only but as we had inferred that warning had been set up in the old days and was no longer a strict observance. We went into the room unquestioned by guardians or occupants, and calling for refreshments, sat ourselves down to watch and wait. There were several men in this quaint old parlour, all seemed in one degree or another to be connected with the sea. Men, thick-set, sturdy, bronzed, branded in solid suits of good blue cloth, all with that look in the eye which stamps the seafarer other men whom one supposed to have something to do with the sea-trade, ships-chandlers, perhaps, or shipping-agents. We caught stray whiffs of talk. It was all about the life of the port, and of the wide North Sea that stretches away from the Humber. And in the middle of this desultory and apparently aimless business, in came a man who, I am sure from my first glimpse of him, was the very man we wanted, a shortish, stiffly-built, paunchy man, with a beefy face, shrewd eyes, and a bristling iron-grey moustache, a well-dressed man, and sporting a fine gold chain, and a diamond pin in his cravat, but in his shirt-sleeves, and without a hat. Scarterfield leaned nearer to me. "'Our man for a million,' he muttered. "'I think so,' said I. The newcomer, evidently well known from the familiar way in which nods and brief salutations were exchanged for him, bustled up to the bar, called for a glass of bitter beer, and helped himself to a crust of bread and a bit of cheese from the provender at his elbow. Leaning one elbow on the counter and munching his snack, he entered into conversation with one or two men near him. Here again, the talk as far as we could catch it, was of its seafaring matters. But we did not catch the name of the man in the shirt-sleeves, and when, after he had finished his refreshment, he nodded to the company and bustled out as quickly as he had entered, Scarterfield gave me a look, and we left the room in his wake, following him. Our quarry bustled down the alley, and turned the corner into the old high street, He was evidently well known there. We saw several passers-by exchange greetings with him. Always bustling along, as if he were a man whose time was precious, he presently crossed the narrow roadway, and turned into an office, over the window of which was a sign, "Jallanby Shipbroker. He had only got a foot across his threshold, however, when Scarterfield was at his elbow. Excuse me, sir, he said politely, may I have a word with you? The man turned, stared, evidently recognised Scarterfield as a stranger he had just seen in the Goose and Crane, and turned from him to me. Yes, he answered questionably, what is it? Scarterfield pulled out his pocket-book and produced his official card. You'll see who I am from that, he remarked. "'This gentleman's a friend of mine, "'just now giving me some professional help. "'I take it you're Mr. Jallanby. "'The shipbroker started a little "'as he glanced at the card "'and realised Scarterfield's calling. "'Yes, I'm Mr. Jallanby. he answered. "'Come inside, gentlemen.' "'He led the way into a dark, rather dismal "'and dusty little office, "'and signed to a clerk who was writing there to go out. "'What is it, Mr. Scarterfield?' he asked some information you've hit it sir replied scarterfield that's just what we do want we came here to hull on purpose to find you believing you can give it from something we heard only yesterday afternoon mr jallenby a long way from here we believe that one morning about three weeks ago you were in the goose and crane in that very room where we saw you just now in company with two men, smartly dressed men, in blue serge suits and straw hats, one of them with a pointed, golden-brown beard. Do you remember? I was watching the shipbroker's face while Scarterfield spoke, and I saw that deep interest, wonder, perhaps suspicion, was being aroused in him. Bless me, he exclaimed. You don't mean to say they're wanted? I mean to say that I want to get some information about them, and very particularly, answered Scarterfield. You do remember that morning, then? I remember a good many mornings, said Jallanby, readily enough. I went across there with those two several times, while they were in the town. They were doing a bit of business with me. We often dropped in over yonder for a glass before dinner. But I'm surprised that—well, to put it plainly— that detectives should be inquiring after him, I am indeed. Mr. Jallanby," said Scarterfield, I'll be plain with you. This is so far merely a matter of suspicion. I'm not sure of the identity of one of these men, but it's one that I want to trace at present, though I should like to know who the other is. But if my man is the man I believe him to be, there's a matter of robbery and possibly of murder so you see how serious it is. Now, I'll jog your memory a bit. Do you remember that one morning, as you and these two men were leaving the Goose and Crane, a big seafaring-looking man stepped up to the bearded man you were with, and claimed acquaintance with him as being one Netherfield Baxter? Jallanby started. It was plain that he remembered. I do, he exclaimed. Well enough, I stood by. But— he said he wasn't there was a mistake i believe there was no mistake said scarterfield i believe that man is netherfield baxter and-it's netherfield baxter i want now mr jallanby what do you know of those two in confidence we had all been standing until then but at this invitation to disclosure the shipbroker motioned us to sit down "'he himself turning the stool, which the clerk had just vacated. "'This is a queer business, Mr. Scarterfield," he said. "'Robbery, murder, nasty things, nasty terms, "'to apply to folk that one's done business with. "'And that, of course, was all I did with those two men, "'and all I know about them. "'Pleasant, good-mannered, gentlemanly chaps, I found them. "'Why, Lord, bless me, I dined with them one night at their hotel.' "'Which hotel?' asked Scarterfield. "'Station Hotel,' replied Jallenby. "'They were there for ten days or so while they did their business with me. "'I never saw aught wrong about em either. "'Seemed to be what they represented themselves to be. "'Certainly they'd plenty of money, for what they wanted here in Hull, anyway. "'But, of course, that's neither here nor there.' "'What names did you know them under?' inquired Scarterfield. "'and where did they profess to come from?' "'Well, the man with the brownish beard "'called himself Mr. Norman Belford,' "'answered Jallanby. "'I gathered he was from London. "'The other man was a Frenchman, "'some French lord or other from his name, "'but I forget it. "'Mr. Belford always called him Vicomte, "'which I took to be French for our Viscount.' "'Scarterfield turned and looked at me, "'and I, too, looked at him. "'We were thinking of the same thing.' Old Cazalette's find on the bush, in the scrub near the beach at Ravenstein Court. And I could not repress an exclamation. The handkerchief. Scarterfield coughed. A dry, significant cough. It meant a great deal. Aye, he said, just so, the handkerchief. Hm. Mm. He turned to the shipbroker. Mr. Jallanby. he continued, what did these two want of you? What was their business here in Hull? "'I can tell you that in a very few words,' answered Jallanby. "'Simple enough and straight enough on the surface. "'So far as I was concerned, anyhow. "'They came in here one morning, "'told me they were staying at the station hotel, "'and said they wanted to buy a small craft of some sort "'that a small crew could run across the North Sea "'to the Norwegian fjords, "'the sort of thing you can manage with three or four, you know. "'They said they were both amateur yachtsmen, and of course I very soon found out that they knew what they were talking about. In fact, between you and me, I should have said that they were as experienced in sea-craft as any man could be. I soon detected that. "'Aye,' said Scarterfield, with a nod at me, "'I dare say you would.' "'Well, it so happened that I'd just the very thing they seemed to want,' continued the shipbroker, "'A vessel that had recently been handed over to me for disposal.' and then lying in the victoria dock just at the back here beyond the old harbour just the sort of craft they could sail themselves with say a man or a boy or two i can tell you exactly what she was if you like it might be very useful to know that remarked scarterfield with emphasis on the last word we may want to identify her well said Jallanby, she was a yawl about eighteen tons register thirty tons yacht measurement length forty-two feet beam thirteen draught seven and a half feet square stern coppered above the water-line carried main jib-headed mizzen fore staysail and jib and in addition had a sliding gutter gaff-topsail and. here interrupted scarterfield with a smile that's all too technical for me to carry in my head if we want details i'll trouble you to write em down later but i take it this vessel was all ready for going to sea ready any day asserted jallinby only you just wanted tidying up and storing as a matter of fact she'd been in use quite recently but she was a bit too solid for her late owner's tastes the truth was she'd been originally built for a penzance fishing lugger splendid sea-going boats those do i understand that this vessel could undertake a longish voyage asked scarterfield for instance could they have crossed say the atlantic in her atlantic lord bless you yes replied the shipbroker, or pacific either go tens of thousands of miles in a craft of that soundness as long as you've got provisions on board did they buy her asked scarterfield they did at once replied jallenby and paid the money for her in cash there and then check inquired scarterfield laconically no sir good bank of england notes answered Jallanby. Oh, they were all right as regards money, in my case, anyway, and you'll find the same as regards the tradesmen they dealt with here, cash on the spot. They fitted her out with provisions as soon as they got her. That, of course, took a few days.' "'And then went off to Norway?' asked Carterfield. "'So I understand,' assented Jallanby. That's what they said. They were going first of all to Stavanger, then to Bergen, then further north.' "'Just the two of them?' asked Scarterfield. "'Why, no,' replied Jallanby. "'They were joined a day or two before they sailed, "'by a friend of theirs, a Chinaman. "'Queer combination, Englishman, Frenchman, Chinaman. "'But this Chinaman, he was a swell, "'or what we should call a gentleman, you know. "'Mr. Belford told me, in private, "'that he belonged to the Chinese Ambassador's suite in London.' "'Oh,' said Scarterfield, "'just so, a diplomat.' "'And where did he stop, here?' "'Oh, he joined them at the hotel,' answered Jallanby. "'He'd come there that night I dined with him. "'Quiet, very gentlemanly little chap. "'Quite the gentleman, you know.' "'And his name?' asked Garterfield. "'But the shipbroker held up a deprecating hand. "'Don't ask me,' he said. "'I heard it, but I'm not up to those Chinese names. "'Still, you'd find it in the hotel register, no doubt.' but really gentlemen you surprise me i should never have thought yet you never know who people are do you nice pleasant well-behaved fellows these were and ah said scarterfield with deep significance it's a queer world mr Jallanby. now then for the moment oblige me by keeping all this to yourself but two questions first how long since is it that these chaps sailed for bergen second what is the name of this smart little vessel they sailed precisely three weeks ago next monday answered the shipbroker, and the name of the vessel is the blanche flower we left mr Jallanby then promising to see him again and went away i was wondering what the detective made out of all this and i waited with some curiosity for him to speak but we had got half way up the old high street before Scarterfield opened his lips, and then his tone was a blend of speculation and distrust. "'Now, I wonder where those chaps have gone,' he muttered. "'Of course they haven't got a Norway. Of course that Chinese chap wasn't from the Chinese legation in London. The whole thing's a bluff.' "'By this time they'll have altered the name of that, yawl, and gone. Where?' "'In search of that buried stuff, to be sure.' "'If the man who called himself Belford is really Baxter, "'he'll know precisely where it is,' I said. "'Ay, just so, Mr. Middlebrook,' assented Scarterfield. "'But there's been time in all these years "'to shift that stuff from one place to another. "'I haven't the slightest doubt that Belford is Baxter, "'and that he and his associates bought that vessel "'as the easiest way of getting the stuff from wherever it's hid. "'But where are we to look for them and their craft?' have they gone north or south? It would be a waste of time and money to cable to the Norwegian ports for news of them. They're not gone there, that I'll swear. Scarterfield, said I, feeling convinced on the matter, if the man's Baxter, and he's after that stuff, he's gone north. The stuff is near Blythe, dead certain. I dare say you're right, he said slowly, and, as I found out all there is to find out here in Hull, "'I suppose a return to Blythe is the most advisable thing. "'After all, we know what to look out for on that coast. "'A twenty-ton yawl with an Englishman, a Frenchman, "'and a Chinaman aboard her. Very well.' "'So that afternoon, after seeing the shipbroker again, "'and making certain arrangements with him "'in case he heard anything of the blanche "'and her crew of three queerly assorted individuals, we retraced our steps northward, but while Scarterfield turned off at Newcastle for Tynemouth and Blyth, I went alone for Alnwick and Ravenstein Court. End of chapter 15